Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes for today's episode at bloggingbistro.com. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a bunch of folders on my computer when emails come in and I want to save a particular message from somebody, I put it in a folder with that person's name on it. I have one very special folder on my computer where I save emails that I feel are important, they're encouraging, they're transformative in the sense that they transform my life in a good way. They're ones that I want to keep and refer back to again and again. In my folder, there is one email that I have been rereading several times over the past few weeks, and it's called Five Ways to Be a Peacemaker in Troubled Times. And that email happens to be written by my friend Grace Fox, who is here with us today as a special guest. Welcome, Grace. Hi, Laura. I'm just so excited to be here. Over the years, Grace, you have been one of the most influential people in my life in terms of helping my devotional life. And you have been such a wonderful example to me for many years of a writer, an author who is very consistently and deliberately growing her brand and connecting with her readers. But a little bit about Grace before we get into our conversation. She's a writer, she's a speaker, a life coach, and a global worker. And your passion is to connect the dots between faith and real life for your audiences. And I think you do an admirable job of that. Grace is also a wife, she's a mom, a grandma, and a sailboat dweller. I have to hear a little bit about life on a sailboat. Now, you live in, in Canada, in British Columbia, so you're my neighbor to the north. We live about an hour and a half apart, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to visit your sailboat yet. So I have to virtually figure out what this is all, <laughs> what it's like <laughs> to live full time. So you're not just like taking it out for little jaunts. You live full time on your sailboat, right? We purged almost all of our earthly belongings and moved on to the boat a little over two years ago. And what has that been like? An adventure. My husband grew up with boats. He drove a boat for the first time when he was six years old. And I grew up in southern Alberta, landlocked territory. So boats are not my real comfort zone, but I love practicing hospitality. So we make a great team. So Gene is the guy who knows how to deal with a boat. He actually has a degree in engineering as well. And so he has that engineering brain to figure out how to make things work when they break. And I just love to make a welcome space for our neighbors. And so it's been wonderful. We've been developing relationships with our neighbors in the marina, growing friendships with them and and um, sharing Jesus' love with them. So it's, it's, it's been wonderful. You post a lot of pictures of your life on the sailboat on your Facebook page. And I recall one time, I'm not sure if it was this winter or the winter before when there was a lot of snow and ice, and you posted a picture of your sail, the outside of your sailboat covered with like a foot of snow and all these icicles <laughs> were, were dripping down yeah. from the side. The, the canvas top that we have and the canopy in the back or the cockpit, we'd have to knock the snow off that because too much weight can actually punch a hole right through it. Oh. But there was ice on the river as well. So we hear ice chunks hit the hull and kind of scrape oh along. God. And I had visions of the Titanic, right? Well, through my head. But 
that's when I'm not excited about living there. <laughs> Some people say to me, you are living the dream. And I say, <laughs> come visit me in January. And you'll yeah. And didn't your day. heater go out? Didn't your heater that go out our too? first winter. Yeah. The first <laughs> winter, 2019. So the, the heater went out for two weeks and the repairman, there was only one guy in the area qualified to fix that heater. And he would call and he'd say, okay, I'll be there at like 11 and so I'd be there wrapped up in a blanket. and I'm just shivering and shaking. A space heater couldn't take the chill out of the air. It was freezing cold, but we'd wait for him to come, right? And he he wouldn't show up. So finally, about 2 o'clock, we'd get another call. And he'd say, sorry, I didn't make it at 11. I'll be there at 4. And he'd do the same thing. And finally, he'd show up at like 6.30. And he'd say, it's been a really long day. And I'm just way too tired to get into this right now. So I'll be back tomorrow. And he did that every day for two weeks so it really stretched my patience it grew me in perseverance that's um, a nice way of putting it grace <laughs> oh, when the sunshine comes out in the spring everybody comes out onto the dock right everybody comes out onto their boat deck or onto the dock and we all smile at each other we walk past and give each other high fives and we, say, <laughs> we survived another one we survived. <laughs> what i hear you saying is that living full-time on a sailboat is cool and it's wonderful but it's not exactly the glamorous life that many of us envision not at all <laughs> not at all glamorous it is an adventure and it's something that i am glad that we're doing i know that god called us to do it it wasn't just a whim not a whim at all and i couldn't have done it if it was a whim it, it's definitely a calling and so i'm confident we're there until he tells us to move off <laughs> Are you able to do your writing from the boat? You know, that, is that your writing space? It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, there's a little built-in desk and that became my desk. So I sit there, but also uh, when the weather is warm, I go out and sit in the cockpit. I take my laptop <sighs> outside and I can plug it in there and I, I sit there and do my writing right there with the river. And Oh, beautiful. And I, I'll bet. It is. I mm. love that. Do you find that inspirational? Because you're a devotional writer. Mm -hmm. And do you find when you're able to go out there outside and look at the, and I know British Columbia is beautiful, the Pacific Northwest is just a gorgeous place to live. Does that inspire some of the writing that you do, just taking in the beauty of nature? It does. We live just opposite a bird sanctuary. And so yesterday I was actually rewriting a devotional that I'd written for my newest book. And it talks about the eagle, right? The passage from Isaiah that talks about those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. The day that I wrote that in the first draft, two bald eagles were flying around just above our boat. I can see their nest when the leaves are not on the trees. So I can't see it now because everything's in full foliage. But, but during the fall and winter, I can look across and see that bald eagle's nest. Being in nature, I feel like I'm much closer to nature than I am when I'm living in a house because on a nice morning, we'll get up early. We work out in this very limited space. Now with COVID-19, we can't get to a gym. So we have very limited space to work out, but we do. We open the hatch to the outside. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, if I was living in a house, I wouldn't open my door like that, you know, to, to outside first thing in the morning, but I do. And it stays open all day long on the, on the nice days. And so I do feel like I'm much closer to nature and that does inspire me in my writing. 
That's really what we're going to be talking about today. We could talk about sailboats and living on a sailboat all day long, probably. <laughs> but let's let's bring that back and talk about devotional writing, because that is the niche that you have felt called to for quite a few years now. Devotional writers can feel judged, shall we say, by other people who are like, well, are you ever going to write a real book? Have you ever received comments like that? And if so, how do you respond to them? Yes, I have received comments like that. Actually, the first time that I received that comment, I felt very slighted. I had to think about that and ponder that later. And, And maybe I felt slighted at that time because I was still struggling with it a little bit myself. I felt like I was maybe being confined by writing devotions. I was I was beginning to be regarded as a devotional writer. And I'd written a chapter book, but still my best sales were with devotions. And so I had really been struggling with that. I felt like I had more to say and that just writing devotions was limiting me. So when this comment came, when are you ever going to write another real book? I thought, yeah, when am I? When am I? I need to be doing more. I remember going for a long walk and just struggling with this whole brand thing and saying, God, what is it? Like, if you if you want me to write chapter books, I'm good at that. If you want me to write just devotions, maybe I'm not as good with that. I feel like I have much more to say. So show me what you want me to do. And 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 what is my brand? Who am I as a writer anyway? Just putting that all out there. I remember it was like the Holy Spirit just whispered into my head the thought that you are a devotion writer, Grace, and that's that's important. It is a high and holy calling because you are teaching my word, but you're also showing people how to apply it. Because it's one thing for people to know God's word, but it's another thing to know how to put it into practice. And until people put it into practice... They're not going to walk a victorious life. And so if I can do that with short readings, great. I had received a a negative review on one of my devotional books. I remember just really struggling with that. and Because the comment was something about not being able to go into much depth. And I thought, well, how can you do that? How, you know, the, the, the writings in that book were about 275 words long. Like, seriously, how much depth do you think I can go into in 275 words? I vented to a group of writers, just my frustration with that. And, and I got an email back from Patsy Claremont. That meant the world to me. And she just said, Grace, hold your head up high as a devotional writer because people are so busy nowadays, they need the refreshing that the Word of God gives. Sometimes they don't even realize it. And sometimes they're just so busy with life that they don't have time to stop and take that long, deep drink. All they have time for is a little sip of cold water to refresh their weary soul. So give them that little sip of cold water with a short writing. That's what I do. I'm very thankful that God has entrusted me with that role. A little sip of of cold water to refresh a thirsty soul. 
that's one of the things that I enjoy most about it and why I return to your devotionals over and over again, because I am a busy person and I I feel guilty if I don't have half an hour or an hour or two Mm. hours to spend studying. But I know that I can read and meditate on one of your devotionals in about five or 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and that I will come away from that feeling refreshed. Now, there's quite an art to doing that. Your devotionals aren't lengthy. As a longtime devotional writer, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you see happening in the devotional niche in terms of length of mm-hmm. devotionals. Mm-hmm. Because I know a few years ago, they they were a little bit longer than the ones that I'm seeing these days. My first devotional was called 10-Minute Timeouts for Moms. There were several components to each devotional. They followed a template. It was called Upward Gaze, Inward Glimpse, Outward Glance, One More Peak. And the Upward Gaze was a scripture verse that focused on the character of God in some way. Then came the story part that was woven around that particular attribute of God in some way. Just a story from real life, my my role as a mother or my friends' stories as mothers. I had a couple of personal growth questions. That would be the inward glimpse. And then Outward Glance was a scripture-based prayer to pray on someone else's behalf, an intercessory prayer. And one more peak would be related scriptures that they could look up. Well, by the time I had all those components written in there, those things were anywhere from 650 to about 850 words long. Those are quite lengthy, I think, now. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't seem quite as long just because they were broken up into those very distinct sections, even on the page visually. But I know, like, for instance, guideposts. I just completed an assignment for them earlier this spring. They're going to be releasing a new devotional next year. And they did a survey among their readers to find out if they'd be interested in one-minute readings and the one answer minute. came back is yes. So yeah. so they've come up with a compilation, and I'm a part of that one as well. The new one, my newest book that we'll talk about in a bit, is very short for a specific reason, like really short. <laughs> but they're designed that way for people who are not in the frame of mind to read anything long. Well, let's talk about that, because your newest devotional, the one that you've just been writing, that's the one you're referring to, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. You recently signed a contract for a 90-day devotional titled Finding Hope in Crisis, and your publisher wants to release that in early 2021, correct? It will be available for pre-orders in January 2021 and available in stores in February So you have been writing about nine hours a day on that, or you were, up until you got the first draft finished. And now you said you're working on, you told me a minute ago, you're working on edits or you're working on Yeah, I'm going through from the beginning, just going through from devotion number one and editing. Some of them I look at and I go, oh, uh, I have to rewrite that. Or the quote that I picked to be on the opposite page, "Mm, I can do better than that. I'll find a better one. They're, you know, rewriting some, I've, a couple of them. I just want to rewrite completely, but others are just a few little tweaks here and there. So how did this book come about, Grace? Oh my goodness. This is a story where I can see God's hand all the way through. I, I really hope that this is an encouragement to writers out there who have maybe submitted a proposal and it hasn't gone anywhere to not give up hope. 
Because if we believe that God is in control of every detail of our lives, he's in control of those book proposals too. Two years ago, I wrote a proposal because it had been in my head probably a year before that. So I knew I was going to go to a writer's conference and I knew I wanted to put that proposal before a couple of different editors. So I wrote it up. I had five samples included in the proposal and they were deliberately short because they were written for people in crisis. That word kept Mm -hmm. coming to my head, crisis. So people in crisis, uh, they might be somebody sitting at the hospital bedside of a loved one. That person's maybe been in an accident and they're hanging on by a lifeline, right? And so the person sitting at their bedside, they're not in that mental headspace to study the word of God or to even read a chapter. Like they just can't go there. I wanted to write to that person. And for that reason, they would be very short, very focused so that they could remember the nugget. Because sometimes people in that headspace can't, they just can't remember Sometimes they'll forget to eat, right? Because they just are not in that headspace. And so that was a person I wanted to write to. So I showed that proposal to three editors. They all said, send it to me when we're done this conference. So one never got back to me. One said, could you make them maybe 50 or 75 words longer, a little bit more? Could you do that? And then we'll show the committee. So I did that. And the committee still rejected it. They liked it, but it just wasn't for them. The other editors said, I love these. But the publishing committee said they're just too short for our purposes. But she said they're so good. Could you, you need to find somebody who will publish them as they are. But I got busy with life. And so I did more international traveling, more speaking. I just put it away in a file. But during that time, every time I thought about it, I thought the title, I'm not happy with the title. I need something better than that. But titles aren't my forte, right? (laughs) And so I never really sat down to work them through. So in January of this year, I went away to a different conference. And it wasn't a writer's conference. But I was sitting talking with a friend during that time. And she was telling me how she had just spent four months living with a couple. And the wife was dying of cancer. So she was there at their request just to be with them through that journey because this woman in her 50s who was dying, she'd already lost her own mother and her mother had been the best friend of this woman who was telling me the story. So I was listening to her and everything she'd experienced while she was walking through this valley of the shadow of death with this friend. And in the middle of that conversation, boom, it was like a download came. And it was that title, Finding Hope in Crisis. I remember just sitting there and looking at my friend and saying, you are never going to believe what just happened. I, uh-huh. I know that's a title. I know that's a title for this devotional book. And so we were split into small groups at this conference for prayer. I shared that with my small group. And we began to pray that God would do something with this title and with this proposal. But then I had to get busy the rest of January. I had other mission conferences that I had to attend for our ministry that's overseas ministry. I had to meet other assignment, writing assignments. And then my my mom, who'd been diagnosed with a benign brain tumor on Christmas Day, she had to undergo radiation therapy to shrink this thing. And then I flew out to Alberta to be with her for 10 days, so beginning of March. The day I flew home was the day everything was beginning to lock down. 
and I, I couldn't go to Poland like I was supposed to at the end of March. All my April speaking engagements got canceled. And I thought, okay, now's the time to pull this proposal out, dust it off and tweak it with that new title. So I called <laughs> my agent and I told him about it and he said, let's do it. Let's do it. So I sent mm-hmm. it to him and it took about five weeks was all, but say three publishers answered him. One of them said this, we had a similar project in the pipeline, but it fell apart. Ah. And we've been looking for a substitute. This is it. How fast can your author write this book? <laughs> that was on a Thursday. So he shot me that email back. I had put three months in the proposal. I thought to myself, yes. oh my word. If she is asking how much time I can shave off, I don't know what I'm going to say. Because I, I need I need to leave a little white space for emergencies yes. to happen, especially with my mom being ill now. But I said, okay, I'll do it in two. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, God, it's going to take a miracle. I'll do it in two months. I'll do it. But that's what I said. She took it to the publishing committee the next day, and they approved it the same day. Wow. It's never happened in my life like that. So I had that contract in hand a couple weeks later. I started writing on it before I even had the contract in hand. Thinking I'm going to do every minute I can get. Exactly. Laura, you know, I mean, here's a crisis of my own. Because thinking about my mom and what's going to happen to her and she can't be on her own anymore. I had broken or cracked my tailbone just a few weeks prior. So hurting that. I'm starting to write standing up at this point. I had a shoulder that was on the brink of frozen shoulder and I'm just not sleeping at night. I was sleeping maybe three hours at night because of the pain when I laid down at night. So I'm in this own personal crisis, but I'm writing on finding hope in crisis, crying out to God every single day. And Laura, I completed the first draft in 20 days where I thought two months was going to take a miracle. I did it in 20 days. I don't even know how that happened, except it was a of God. So you've got 90 days worth of devotions. What's the length on each day's devotion? So it starts with a key verse, and then we go into the little sections again. So we've got the key verse, and then we go into pause, which is read the story and pause, think about it for a moment. And then ponder is one little question to reflect on, and then pray. It's a one-sentence prayer to apply it. From beginning to end is about 225 words. There isn't a title for the reading. We'll just bypass titles for okay. fun. <laughs> At this point in the draft, I have day one, day two, right up to day 90. Yeah. We might even take that out because why bother? Like, we don't need that. One devotional book that was published several years ago is called Morning Moments with God. And I think there's a little title, but we don't have day one, day two. We don't have anything like that. If they come back to me in editing and they say they want the little two-word or three-word title, I can do that. What is the process that you go through when writing each devotion? Just coming up with 90 different topics to write about seems really intimidating to me. I have taken out a calendar, like a hard copy calendar, put it on my desk, and I'll sit down and I'll look at that thing and I'll look at the completion date, the target completion date. And from where I am that day to completion date, I write down how many devotions I need to write in a day in order to get it done. And I need to leave enough space so that I can breathe. So if unexpected things happen, that I have that. If I don't want to, I don't want to write on a Sunday. I want to take Sundays off. And so I'll leave Sunday blank. And so what I I might do is I might say, so day one, I want to get five devotions done. 
day two. Okay, day two, that would be Tuesday, but that's the day my blog needs to come out. So I need to leave space either to get up really early and write it, or I need to do that on Monday so it's ready to just come out on Tuesday morning. So I have to make those kinds of allowances as well. Today, one of my first five writings came out for Proverbs 31 Ministries. That means I need to be online interacting with the readers, with the comments that are happening there. So so I'd look at my calendar and I'd say, okay, I know that on such and such a day, one of my first five Bible studies is coming out and I need to spend a bulk of my day, at least two hours of my day on that. So I have to look at my calendar and what else I'm working with, and then I'll schedule around that. But I need to come out, say, with 90 before the Mm -hmm. completion date, because I need to allow myself time to edit as well. If I have that to eyeball, that really keeps me on task. So that would be the first thing that I do. Uh, For ideas, with this particular new book, I have been gathering ideas for two years because it's Mm -hmm. been in my heart during that time. I subscribe to different devotions online. And so if they would come into my box and they seemed appropriate for that type of message or that audience, people in crisis, I would take that and put that into a file, much like you said, you keep a file of transformative articles. Mm-hmm. So I would do that and add a file. I also have a hard copy file cabinet, not on the boat, but in our ministry office. <laughs> and I've collected stuff for years. So I use that just as a little backup in case I start running dry on ideas. It's there. I can go back and, and read things. Quote books are also something that trigger ideas in my head. So I keep a couple of little quote books on my boat. But now you can go online too and you can look up Christian quotes on hope or peace or joy or whatever you want. The theme is there. And sometimes all it takes is a quote like that and it'll trigger something. In this case, with this book, something happened that's never happened before. And that was, I had that whole file of file with dozens and dozens and dozens of ideas in there already to go. On the day I started writing, I just did a brain spill on a piece of paper with my pen in hand on ideas that were just, they just started coming to my head. So I just wrote them down as fast as I possibly could. I just started working off that paper. In the middle of one idea, as I'm writing it out in a, in a devotion, first draft, Another idea would pop into my head. So I would just grab that piece of paper and I'd write it down. Or in my own quiet times throughout that process, throughout those 20 days, things would come to mind as I was reading the scriptures from my own quiet time or doing a Bible study that I'm working on. And something would just grip me and I would jot that down too. Idea after idea after idea oh. was just flowing. Oh my goodness. Like, like one day I'm sitting in the cockpit <laughs> writing and thinking, okay, God, I'm ready to start a new one. What is it you want me to write on this time? And I'd look down at that piece of paper and see if something gripped me. And if it did, I would start on that. But that day, I just happened to glance. Like as I'm praying that prayer, I glanced up to the road that goes past the marina. And there was a guy, one of our neighbors from the next dock over. He's going along with his dog. So he's on one of these, I don't even know what you call it. It looks like a skateboard but it's battery operated or something you know one of those things and he's rolling down the the road on that thing with his little dog running along behind him and then he stopped and picked his dog up and carried him in his arms and immediately scriptures about how the lord promises to carry us came to my mind and from that i was able to write a devotional about how he carries us when we're weary, when we're worn, right? And he carries those 
the young ones too, like the lambs, in his arms close to his heart. The dog and the skateboard end up in the story too? It did. That's, okay. how, I, that's how I opened it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another day I was, I was sitting there and bam, all of a sudden <laughs> I realized that there's this thing hanging on the rail of our boat, to the stern of our boat, and it's called life sling. So a life sling is actually a piece of safety equipment on the boat. It's for man overboard. So when, you know, somebody, heaven forbid, falls overboard, we throw this thing to the person and they should be able to grab it where we can circle the boat around and pull them in. So on that life sling packaging are the directions and very simple because who has time to read a long set of instructions when you've got somebody that's overboard, but it's got three or four pictures of what to do with just very like a sentence or two on how to use it. And then the thought came into my head. When we feel like we're drowning, which a person in crisis will feel like they're going under, are they going to come back up, right? They feel like they're drowning. This might be the end of them. Our life sling would be the word of God and the promises that we find in his word. The promises of his presence, the promises that he is there for us. He will never leave us or forsake us. That's our life sling. And that's what keeps us from drowning. So it would be like one idea after another, after another, whether it be off that piece of paper or whether it be, you know, the Lord would just open my eyes to see something. We've lived on that boat for two years and I've never seen that life sling with that <laughs> set of eyes. As you're writing these, so let's say you you got the life sling idea from looking at that on your boat. Do you just sit down and stream of consciousness, write the entire devotion, or do you just jot down a couple of notes? What's your process there look like? I usually write the whole thing at once. It's rare that I have started writing and felt like I was banging my head on a wall. I, I have felt like that at times, and I thought, you know, something's wrong here. This is not coming, so there's something wrong. And if that's the case, I will leave it and start with something fresh and come back and look at that days later. Because, you know, my head's in a different space days later, and it might all of a sudden resonate with me and I can figure out what was wrong and why it wasn't working for me. But usually I sit down and I write the whole thing. I've heard every writer has their own rhythm as well. When I was working on this new book, I got up for two weeks during that time at four in the morning to write. I enjoy that. I'm a morning person anyway, so it wasn't a hardship for me. I felt really fresh and invigorated and my husband was still in bed. I had that sailboat space all to myself and I yeah. I really enjoyed those two hours before my husband got up where it was just the Lord and me all by ourselves. And then I would do other things. I'd work out and do breakfast and go for a walk and do my quiet time and, and then answer emails. But by the time I was done all that stuff, it was noon. So then I'd make lunch for my husband. I and I would finally sit down to seriously start working again at about one o'clock and I might work till nine at night. My rhythm is I pick up speed at about four in the afternoon. Earlier in the day, some of those devotions might take me, some, some would take me three hours, 225 words, three hours, right? And I, mm -hmm. But it's hard. And, and then as I pick up speed, occasionally I could do one in about 45 minutes. Other things that you're doing, in addition to writing this particular devotional book, as well as other devotions, you mentioned earlier that you're blogging. 
and you're send I know you send out a newsletter because I subscribe to that and something else that you have and you send out a blog post once a week right right I do a devotional blog and devotional blog comes out every Tuesday so you're very consistent with that and that is one of the things I've been following for many many years is your blog post and your newsletter I can count on you every single week to have a blog post. And you've been doing this for years. Years. Oh my goodness. When I look at the files I've got back there, oh, I think 13 years, maybe I started out doing five a week. Five. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with my thinking at that point to think I could do five a week, but then it decreased to three Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then it went to Monday and Friday. And now it's just Tuesdays. And and okay. that's about all, all right. I do because my life is so full of other stuff. Hear this, listeners. She says just Tuesdays or just once a week. So she's blogging still, devotion blogging once a week. Plus once a month, you send out your Growing with Grace newsletter, which is quite extensive. And it also has devotion in it, or it has kind of a life where you're really talking more about something that's going on with you in your personal life. But you kind of weave devotional aspects into that and you encourage people through that too. And then you've also started posting daily devotional videos called Devotions from the Dock on your Facebook page and your YouTube channel. What's that experience been like for you? Why did you decide to start Devotions from the Dock? Tell us a little bit about how that's going. Yeah, so that one started during during the pandemic because I thought I'm connecting with my readers through the written word, and that's okay. But if everybody is in isolation then there's this thing happening to people. People are maybe lonely. I can still maybe have a different kind of access to them, build different kind of relationship with them during this time if I can connect with them with my voice and my face. I did it the first time on a walk. I had my camera with me and doing this Facebook Live thing, I really hadn't done that before. This was like, out of my comfort zone (laughs) but I was out for a walk and I I thought I'm just gonna give a little word of encouragement so I turned on this Facebook live my hand is shaking as I'm holding my phone and I go ahead and I do this like I wasn't even sure how it all would post right but but it did miraculously and and before I knew it that thing had had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of views blew me out of the water I thought, well, that was interesting. And then this idea, devotions from the dock, came into my mind. And I thought, well, why don't I do that? I could, I could do that. Uh, so I started. I was thinking Mondays, well, I guess first I thought every day of the week. But then I thought, no, Saturdays and Sundays, that's just too much for me. And then I thought, and Tuesdays is when my blog gets posted. That's too much for readers. I don't want to overload them. And so, so I do it Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Four days a week. Yeah. And so I was fiddling around with the time length on that too. And what do people want? What, what is too long? What's too short? And so what they've landed at typically is mm, anywhere from, say, a minute, 45 seconds to three minutes max. And if I can keep it to, say, two minutes, 15 seconds, two and a half minutes, then I'm happy. So I, I do that now with my with my phone. Oh, and I also tried just working it, recording on my camera mm-hmm. and then uploading that to YouTube and having my YouTube channel. 
then I would go and take the YouTube link and put that on my Facebook page and say, here's devotions from the doc. But I started looking at the difference between Facebook Live and just recording it on my camera and posting it directly to YouTube. So I, I experimented with that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I found out that if I do it on Facebook Live, then you hit the button that says save and it goes into the camera roll. Then you can upload that to YouTube. There's way more views on my Grace Fox Christian author speaker page than I would get if I posted the link to YouTube. Yes. And the reason for that is that Facebook wants you to stay on Facebook and YouTube wants you to stay on YouTube. And so Facebook makes it so that videos that you upload directly to their platform, instead of posting just a link from a YouTube video, are going to get more play in the newsfeed. And the number one top type of post right now on Facebook is Facebook Lives. They give that the greatest distribution in the news feed. So I think that's a great idea, Grace, is to, so what you're saying, just to recap for people who may be going, oh, what did she just yeah, say? Yeah. Is just you, what you're doing after some experimentation is you're starting by doing a Facebook live video. Right. When you're finished recording that, you then save that video and then you upload it to your YouTube channel. Right. The one that you're putting on uh, YouTube is not edited. It's just whatever the Facebook Live was. Right. So you're not spending a bunch of extra time nope. editing. Nope. I'm okay. just letting it go. That is a great way to kind of wrap things up. Thank you so much for the service and the ministry that you do. Uh, is there anything that you would like to add in closing that I may have neglected to ask? If you want to connect with me, you yes. can go to my website, which is gracefox.com. And there's a place there where they can subscribe to my monthly newsletter, which is Growing with Grace. They can subscribe to my weekly blog there as well. Thanks to you, Laura, the uh, mastermind with my website. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Full disclosure, my team actually did build Grace's website and designed her logo back in the day. Mm -hmm. And yours is still a site that I always use an as an example with every author that I work with because of the fact that you do so many different things under the umbrella of your Grace Fox Ministries brand. And yet you have your content organized, and this is all you, this is not me, you have your content on your website organized so clearly, so efficiently that visitors can easily find their way around and they can find exactly what they're looking for with one click of a button or one click of the mouse. And so Grace's site, gracefox.com, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, is really a great place to go if you're looking for not only inspiration on how to build your brand as a writer, but just to sign up for her devotionals and her newsletter, her blog posts, uh, watch her videos, and you will be encouraged, I guarantee you. So thank you so much, Grace, for coming and joining me today for the Professional Writer Podcast. Thank you, Laura. And because a podcast is kind of a one-way conversation, or in our case, a dialogue today, I do have a private Facebook group where 
Listeners can share discoveries and your aha moments. You can ask questions. Some of our guests are also members of that group, and you can meet them there. You can share your thoughts about the topics that we're covering on the show. That's called the Professional Writer Podcast Community Facebook group. I invite you to head on over to bloggingbistro.com, check out the show notes for today's episode, and you'll find a link to the podcast community there. Also, if you have friends that you think would be interested in listening, please tell them about the Professional Writer Podcast. Thanks for joining Grace and me today, and I will talk with you again next week.